Thank you for listening to the Roundtable Consult, where we discuss political and social issues that matter to you from a spiritual, medical, and legal perspective. Join the conversation with your host, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to the Roundtable Consult. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Williams, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Attorney Sonia Madison. Good morning to you, Sonia. Good morning, and it is indeed because we survived the tornado warnings. Oh, thank God you did. Huh? <laughs> what we well, do next. One other thing that happened here in Atlanta is that the um, Senate refused to let Buckhead secede. I don't know if you heard any of the story on that. but uh, uh, No, I'm not aware. They tried to secede from the state? From Atlanta. Oh, really? <laughs> from Atlanta. Oh. <laughs> well, and, and honestly, it has been a issue or a story that has come up since I've moved to Atlanta, which has been well over a decade ago. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's not the first time that I've heard these arguments of Buckhead wanting to be its own city and the state Senate turned it down with good reason. I mean, I I don't think Buckhead should secede. Um, one interesting point, and, and we'll of course move on it, from it, but Buckhead is like 30 or 40 percent of Atlanta's tax revenue. But but anyways, you know, they, they say crime in, a, in Buckhead has increased and one crime everywhere has gone up. And we talk about this frequently, how oftentimes poverty and crime are associated and given that we're in recession, the race, um, the wealth gap continues to increase. We, it should be no surprise that sometimes crime will obviously fall into that increase as well. But often that we talk about these issues, I don't think we ever disagree on the issue. We just disagree on the solution. Because I think the majority of Buckhead um, citizens will probably prefer to stay as part of Atlanta, but that um, huge handful is probably saying, well, if you want increased security, which is the solution I want, then I want to get out of the city of Atlanta. Take so my ball and go home. <laughs> right. I'll take my ball and go home. Yes, take my 40%. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so, so, but, but again, it failed. So here we are back where we started. Yeah, well, that's unfortunate. Uh, but I guess congratulations, Atlanta. You now still get to keep buckets and it's full 30, 40% of income, which is important, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Or recently, you know, as in, as in Michigan, there's this threat now against all Jewish officials now. You got other people that you're starting to see that there's some coordinated activities among people who want to actually annihilate Jewish people. You know, particularly those who are in positions for policy making, and um, I think the FBI just got a hold of uh, some of the. I think it was may have been social media posts, and these people aren't very bright. You know, hey, this is what I'm going to do, <laughs> and the FBI somehow or another you you garner the attention of the FBI, and you get caught. But uh, this past week, they just notified uh, Gretchen Whitmire that she was a, another target, target of another individual who specifically wanted to target uh, Jewish people who are in um, legislative positions. And this is crazy. This is I'm not sure what's what's going on. I get I get that when the economy's down and when people are suffering, that crime goes up. 
but so does stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> I well, guess you know of it, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it all boils down to um, basically self-survival. You start, you get into that self-survival mode. I don't want other people take what I believe belongs to me. And when I start seeing other people prosper, I think that you know it's at my expense, and therefore. If I have to annihilate them, that's what I'll do. It's funny that you say that because I feel like we talked about this either last week or before where you were like, I, I, I do see a world where we all see each other as the same. And I'm like, no, because we will always want to feel like I should be better than the other person for whatever reason. Well, you want to put a color. Oh, color we're talking on about it. 200 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's put things in context. <laughs> the world will be over by that. The world as we know it. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what you were talking about. When did I say I see a world? feeling that because I, I think one, we're trying to take away history out. So then we won't have the history to see no we did that remember how it turned out (laughs) but then too again I just I still think that just like you're saying once people start recognizing certain groups of people are doing well they start to blame their lack of doing well on that group and start targeting that group Hmm. well I don't know We'll see what happens uh, in the next 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here to report it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you won't have sanity of mind to report it, but you'll be reporting something. They'll be like, I wish that old lady would get off of the Zoom. Nobody has Zoom anymore. <laughs> I'll be the only one speaking on history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I do think that history has to evolve and eventually you know, at some point you stop teaching all the history, all the history, you can't possibly uh, crunch into uh, a human's mind. Yeah, frankly. People still teaching Bible history. I mean, as long as that continues to be taught. Then... They're going to stop that. They're going to stop that too. You need to start teaching it only. Well, I mean, they don't teach it in school. They just teach it at home. So, and right now there's so many people who aren't even teaching it at home and they're missing it. It's a fact. You know, I have a friend who's, I mean, this person has been in church all his life and didn't know the story of Job. I mean, of, of Joseph. I'm like, how do you go to church your whole life and don't know about Joseph? He wasn't listening. And then I'm like, okay, what about the coat of many colors? You know, <laughs> trying to be killed by his brothers. Not, not ringing a bell, huh? So <laughs> he just said, I just skip that old Old Testament. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just here for the music. Just here for the music. That's all. <laughs> so, but this is what happens, though. But uh, you got to have all kinds of friends, and so I think it's important to have that in the, in the except the kind that'll shoot you and kill you. <laughs> well, I was gonna <laughs> so, say, you know, before we get into the topic, we got to talk about the Murdoch um, trial. Right. I don't think we've really talked about it too much. Um, but for those that don't know, this is out in South Carolina. I think the trial's actually been taking place in Savannah or some sort. But the um, county that's that it happened in was in Hampton, and, and Murdoch was a big attorney there. His family has been in that line of attorneys and and pretty much influential people for years. I think one of his um, ancestors was a solicitor and that's essentially a prosecutor. And so not only are they well known in the private sector, but even in the public sector as it relates to the law. And um, um, Alex Murdoch was on trial for the murder of his wife and his son. If I don't know if you've seen that, there's a Netflix documentary on it for those that are wanting a little wow, bit more in-depth history. Yes, <laughs> I want a little bit more in-depth history. But 
succinctly his son um, was charged with, uh, I'm going to say voluntary manslaughter or some form of manslaughter for the killing of a, a one of his friends. And it was a female friend that were on a boat and he was extremely drunk and got into an accident. She had a concussion, hit her head somewhere and then essentially drowned. And so because he was drunk, he was charged with that homicide. He was not convicted um, as he was out on bail. His father was allegedly at the time, but he has been convicted of it now. But his father killed him and his wife. It's rumored that his wife was considering divorcing him. But um, there's also speculation that he killed both of them for insurance money as he has had a history of insurance fraud as it relates to some of his clients, which is why he was disbarred. Um, and well himself. Before. Yeah, and himself, and himself right. Tried to have somebody who paid somebody to kill himself and didn't go through with it. I'm like, wow, this guy's crazy. Um, so yeah, he was found. I think he was given two life sentences this past week. And um to get consecutive life sentences for the murder again of his wife and son. One I would imagine one of the um slam dunks or, or nail in the coffin was the fact that he lied about being present where the his wife and his son were killed and phone records as well as his son who I think was on Snapchat at the time and they heard his dad's voice um put, put him there and he admitted on the stand that he lied and that he was there <laughs> now, that was only after everybody else who listened after, to right, it they exactly. put about eight people eight friends or something like that who said yep that's him yeah right. that's him right only about a couple minutes before the murder yes that's him he was there <laughs> right I'm kind of friends calling the lie that he comes to and I think that was one of the reasons why I'd imagine a lot of defense attorneys would have probably told him, this isn't the time to start taking the stand, you know, <laughs> I mean, you might want to sit this one out. But I think he probably thought, you know, I have been talking my way out of a lot of things in my life and I could probably do it this time. But um, the jury didn't even deliberate for too long. I, mean, I was kind of surprised. And so um... two hours and 51 minutes. <laughs> One of the jurors said it didn't even really take that long. I don't know what they were doing the rest of the time. But he's like, it didn't even take that long. <laughs> they probably knew before they even uh, rested the case. <laughs> they were probably in it with an anonymous agreement. Um, but nonetheless, and so he was sentenced fairly quickly because um, the jury didn't take long. And, and here we are. Hmm. So, yeah. what about your friends? You know, because yeah, I right. you had a round of friends coming in. And That's him. I, I don't know. Do you want those kind of friends to be like, they laugh for me on a stand at least? I don't know. <laughs> But that's what we have to find. That's what we want. Some of us want from our friends. Don't tell me the truth. They Lie do to want me. blind loyalty. I, 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 you know, as someone who watches reality TV, yeah, they, a lot of people <laughs> want blind loyalty. They, they even when they're wrong, they're like, okay, you can admonish me in private. When it's in public, you're supposed to stand by me no matter what I say. Mm. And that's what, that's what, that's what friends are for. Uh, <laughs> friends, see, see, friends, friends is a word we use every day, but most of the time we use it in the wrong way. I mean, there are those, wait a minute, friends are the most every day, but most of the time we use it in the wrong way. <laughs> oh gosh, I can't remember. I'm forgetting the, the lyrics of the song. Friends, you remember that? You don't know. You don't know uh, well, friends, how many of us? How many of us have them? Yeah, that one. Because <laughs> I was also thinking TLC. What about your friends? <laughs> <laughs> there are those you grew up with around the way, and you're still real clued to this very day. Homeboy through the summer, went to spring and fall, and then the summer of which you never knew at all. 
But this list goes on again and again. But these are the people that we call friends. Friends. How many of us have them? <laughs> so I guess, you know, I'm, I'm interested in having this conversation today. Apparently, I'm going to have it by myself since Sonia left us. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, I think there's so many different definitions of what people consider friends, friends, acquaintances. Uh, lifelong friends, brothers and sisters, family members, can they all be considered friends? And and as I look back, um, I've had several different conversations with people about what these, what really constitutes a friend. And, and at least in my mind, a friend is just anybody who you consider to be, to have some level of loyalty and some level of obligation to you at some point. And a lot of people feel like, they, they like the loyalty, but they don't want the obligation part or the responsibility part of the friendship. And um, how, what, how, how does one define friend then, Sonia? Or how do you define how friend? How do I define it while you look it up? Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think it's one of blind loyalty, but I do think it's one of work. So I guess friend for me is someone who invests in you and is out for your best interest. And, and not... That doesn't mean at the expense of their own. I would hope that with any relationship, there is that give and take. Like I'm, you know, I'm not going to do anything to harm you and, and vice versa. But to your point, I think people define what it is to be harmed differently. Um, because ultimately, to me, if, if speaking truth is harmful for you, then, you know, <laughs> and I, don't, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, I, you're like, I'm not going to be your friend. I speak truth, right? <laughs> You know, it releases you to some degree. Otherwise, you continue on a spiral of lies. Um, but at the same time, you know, you don't want someone who is actively out to make sure either you are never as good as they are, never in the same position as they are, because I do think there are, there could be friends that become jealous or they they cross that line of, of jealousy, but continue to respect and invest. You know, one of the, I guess, ideal, and, and granted, I don't know this relationship beyond what you see, but perhaps one of the ideal or our, um, model relationships would be Gail and, and Oprah. I think they have a really good friendship where they invest in each other and there isn't this, you know, at least what I see, there doesn't seem to be a, a hint of jealousy for one or the other, um, but a, just a mutual love, respect and invest and, and celebration of the other. Okay. So, uh, so let me just for the purpose of uh, setting some foundation, at least one of the definitions of a person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection. Now, typically exclusive of sexual or family relations. Now, I don't know that I would necessarily agree with that because you can actually consider um, friends, just relatives, your friend. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you got friends with benefits as well. <laughs> Hopefully your friends with benefits aren't your family members. <laughs> but <laughs> but the, I guess the, the key uh, the key um, the key factor in that is that one has mutual affection. And you know that makes for a very basic, I think definition of what a friend is because we now have over over the period of time have redefined what friends are. We got friends now on your Facebook. You got, these are my friends. And a lot of people think that people who follow you on social media, these are my friends. And, and for some people, <laughs> that is the extent of their friendships. And I don't know that we um, have really, I think we've diluted the definition of friendship because as you mentioned, um, mentioned earlier is that there's some level of, 
investment or maybe that's just what your presumption for friendship should be that there should be some level of investment well and and no element of jealousy because i mean those are the two that you mentioned there but i'm trying to figure out is it possible still to be to be a person's friend and still be jealous is it possible to be a person's friend and still have no investment in them and still be considered a friend I mean, from my perspective, if you are acting on your jealousy, that does not make you a friend. Because again, it makes you selfish. Um, makes you um, human. If you could call her human, but that's not an aspect of a friend. I mean, <laughs> you know, just because you act on your anger doesn't justify you acting on your anger just because that is how you felt at the time. Um, and I think that's important in, in anything. We do, as humans, we do feel a lot of things that are not in our best interest. But when you act on that feeling, then you either classify it as a right or wrong thing. And just by just because you say, oh, we're human, doesn't make your action any less right or wrong. <laughs> it just makes it a human wrong, right? So um, you've never gotten into a fight with one of your friends then, huh? I, I like the minute you guys have a fight, times you all have a friends fight, you're no longer friends. I've had disagreements with friends. And again, just because I've done it doesn't make it right either. That was wrong if I did get into a physical fight with a friend. Because that's not, again, if you want to put that as a mutual affection towards fighting each other, then, then, I, then, you know, then, then that's there. Um, but I, I wouldn't put that in my definition. And so, so again, like I don't, I, I don't doubt that there may be some jealousy, but if you act on that jealousy, then I do think you're taking yourself out of alignment with, what a friend does and, and you're acting out of selfishness. And, and honestly, you know, as, as Christians, we, we don't know enough about each other's lives to, to have that form of jealousy. But at the same time, I think we all should recognize, hey, we, we're all falling short in some realm. And so just because you think someone um, is living a better life than what you are, um, does it's it kind of putting that person on a, on a pedestal to some degree. It's kind of like you're worshiping that person's lifestyle or you're worshiping that person to some degree. And I think that that puts you in a dangerous position as it relates to your relationship with God. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe the, the qualifier should be that that mutual effect, affection transcends certain uh, <clears throat> flaws and certain obligations or certain responsibilities because um, because we all, at least in my mind, I think you, uh, you'll, you'll have some fallouts with your friends and your friends will just because they're human, they're going to have moments where they might be jealous necessarily of you. And they may even act on that jealousy, but hopefully your mutual affection, uh, will transcend that. If your friendship is, is, is to be preserved, it will have to transcend that. And, um, if your friendship is, uh, to be preserved, otherwise it's, it's gone at that point. <laughs> Well, um, to that point, forgiveness is important in a friendship. I mean, it's important in any relationship, but you you got to have some forgiveness and some grace to that point. And that, yeah. to, that to me is to your detriment because when you're, to me, when you go into it, knowing that there's going to be that level of grace and forgiveness, that means you kind of go into it knowing, hey, at some point, the other person is going to disappoint me and vice versa. At some point, you are going to disappoint the other person. Um, and so I do think there needs to be a level of grace and, and forgiveness in that. In that so moment. why is that a detriment though, when you go into it, knowing that that person is going to, because it's also, you? it's a, Hey, I got to, I shall forgive this person. This person is going to hurt me. And, and I do need to put myself, my pride or my hurt aside to forgive this person. If I classify them as my friend. But that's a detriment though. I, I, 
I mean, to your point, I forgot, I'm sorry, run, I almost forgot who I was talking. Right. To. I mean, it's your point. Just write them run, off right now. And all right. In the long run, hopefully, you see it as, hey, that helps your spiritual get stronger. But in that moment, yeah, it's hurt. It's it's gonna hurt. Yeah, I get I get you. So, ask this question. Let me ask you this question. What are then, um, if I consider your friends, what are some of my responsibilities? Uh, do I <laughs> do I if I want to sign as friends? <laughs> uh, well, that, that, be, said, that also yields uh, how many friends did you have? You probably only want to have a handful because because <laughs> whatever uh, responsibility you put on them, you got to put it on yourself too. Um, and that could put a lot of weight on you. <laughs> do you have to put that? Do you have to necessarily have the same responsibility, what you expect of your friends? Do you have to actually give that back in return or, uh, or should friendships, our friendships, our friendships transactional? There are some things that you provide. And obviously I think that friendships are transactional to some degree. <laughs> you Obviously. <laughs> I, I do. I do think they are because I think when, when a person stops proving value to you, proving valuable to you uh, for whatever capacity, whatever capacity is that they were valuable to you, then it seems like the relationship ends. And that's not just with friendship. That's with uh, just about almost any relationship people are in and they persist in relationships because uh, there is some value that they're getting from that relationship. And when they're no longer getting value from that relationship, it sort of fades off. Uh, some and, and hopefully it fades off because it's not valuable to both of them anymore. But sometimes selfishness is coming through. <laughs> you are no longer valuable to me. Your services are no longer needed. <laughs> it happens. You're like, oh well. <laughs> It happens. And, you know, and, and I'm on both ends of that, you know, and I will, I will say that I'm on both ends of that. Now, that being said, I haven't had very many friends, uh, the people that I would consider like friends, friends, and that people would, <clears throat> that you people are, have uh, people might, value to you, not too many. <laughs> no, most, most of my friends, I don't think I, I've talked to them once or twice a year or something like that. And historically it's been most of my friends. I've talked a couple times a year. We might talk on the phone. We don't necessarily have to hang out. Uh, go here or there and uh, I think it's too too laborious sometimes to try to keep up with <laughs> you know I have one friend who uh, to the detriment right <laughs> yeah for the I probably met this gentleman maybe six seven years ago maybe a little bit longer and um, he lives in a different state and we text back and forth frequently and um, and we text frequently because he's texting me and I'm like man, I got to reply back now. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm busy. You know, what are you doing? And it's like two or three, four, five times a week. And I'm like, I don't have time like this. And to, to communicate with somebody four or five times a week. And especially when my history has been, hey, let's talk. We, we talk two or three times a year and we get caught up. It might be for two or three hours. We get caught up on everything. And be like, all right, man, we'll talk to you later next season. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> But I will, but I know that I can depend on that person. That person I know has, we have a mutual affection and, and uh, for each other. And as a result, I'm, I consider that person a friend. And then I've had another conversation with another person who said, you, you can't be considered my friend unless we talk two or three times a week. How often do you need to talk to somebody in order for them to be a friend? Is there a requirement or is that an individual thing? 
Well, I mean, I know you first asked me what is my requirement for a friend for me, and I, I definitely don't look at it as the frequency of the communication, although communication is important. I don't think you can have any relationship without communicating, but whether it needs to be twice a week, every day, once a month, twice a month, I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> but to some degree, I do think, and, and I'm kind of working a little bit off the definition of love. But I, I do think in order to exhibit any transaction, if you consider it a transactional relationship, there's got to be a frequency or some type of regularity in terms of the communication. And if we mutually agree, hey, we're not going to go a month without checking in, seeing how you're doing, that to me is one, a mutual affection, mutual assent to that agreement, if I put it in legal terms. <laughs> um, but but also there's been that mutual understanding that, hey, I need to know how you're doing. I need to make sure that you're okay and, and, and vice versa. Um, because I, I mean, I, if there is ever, and, and back to you, prove it. I don't think you need to prove that your value, but nonetheless, if there is a way in which I can help you, the only way for me to know it is if I am talking to you with some level of frequency. And the only way you can be comfortable for asking me for help is to me, you're talking to me with some level of frequency. Some level. Some level. We, a year. we need to mutually agree on what that level is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the key word for this conversation is going to be mutual. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have, I think, a mutual agreement on, on how frequent that communication and what form that communication needs to take. I, um, you know, I hear a lot of people criticize the younger people today and they say all they do is they just text back and forth. And I was watching uh, a news story just recently. And just how many people get annoyed when you call them without <laughs> texting first? I'm like, wow, is this the new don't come over without calling first? <laughs> now don't even call without texting first to find out like, who, who, who does this type of thing. And so now people apparently will say in order that the new etiquette is about to be, don't just call me out the blue text me to find out if I'm available to talk that little CYT. Can you talk? And if you can talk, then yeah, sure, call me at that point. Or if not, then you say, well, no, hit me back later, or I'll hit you later, or whatever. Um, is that, have you, are you, have you heard anything about that? I mean, while I am of the younger generation, I'm not quite to that young. <laughs> younger than Methuselah. <laughs> I don't try to right. ascent to that level of, because of, from my perspective, if you call and I just am not available to talk, I just won't answer and I'll call you back later. And, and I'm not hurt or offended that you thought about me enough to call. Now I can imagine from the other person's standpoint, like, why are you not answering my phone call? Obviously, if I don't call you frequently, or if I call you now, it's important. Um, and so then it's like, well, you should have shot me a text to tell me what, what's so important. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I don't get offended if someone calls and, and I'm not available to talk and I can't answer right then and there. But I do, nonetheless, I appreciate that that generation, at least because texting is still communicating, at least there's still yeah. a level of communication there. And so, because um, now at this point, I feel like there's a, a, you post a DM me on social media before you call, or you supposed to call me through Facebook. I'm like, uh, I mean, now we don't even need cell phone numbers. We just need internet accounts. <laughs> we, we can have a level of, of communication and frequency. And it used to be the landlines you remember you call on the landline and now that's pretty much like who has a landline anymore um 
And so it seems like the net metric keeps moving in terms of the means of communication. Yeah, the, the so not just the frequency of the communication, but now then the type of communication as well, or the mechanism of communication has to be, I guess, mutually agreeable, because, you know, I, I, I've seen so many people, older people just really criticize, you know, a lot of the younger people because they're texting, but it's actually quite efficient, especially if you have multiple <laughs> friends. Especially You're like, if you have multiple someone who friends. don't like to talk pretty often is good. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Good. Okay, I've checked in. <laughs> <laughs> good enough for me good enough for me and you know this week i had, I had that same that very same friend uh who used to text like three four five times a week um i hadn't heard from him in about three weeks i was like wow i said i get to text first this time i was like hey old friend how you doing <laughs> and uh so i get I get a little extra brownie points but then after that he texted probably three days in a row after that i was like oh shoot now we're back into this again but but, but know, i appreciate that people think about it because then it's like who decides that the person is a friend or who decides that oh this person has value because you know and, and I, I imagine Oof. when you're younger because you use that you know you <laughs> the person has to prove value i'm using your words on <laughs> but i think when you're younger you just intuitively talk and there's not an expectation of oh this person is valuable to me or oh this person is going to do something for me it's just the expectation of hey you talk I talk and so we're just exchanging words here and there and there's a level of acceptance that you're willing to exchange words with me but I feel like again as we get older it's it's I don't know if it's harder to make friends or it's a reluctance to make friends because you want to see or have feel like okay what value would this person bring and I need to assess that before I can say Oh, I am interested in investing in a mutual affection towards this person. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying at what point, you know, then do you have to put your neck out um, to extend that affection? And, and it, does it need to be, hey, you're looking at superficial or you're looking at surface stuff to determine if that person will be of value to you and whether that's a good thing? Yeah. I want to invite our, our our guests to make sure that they comment because we definitely want to hear your hear your thoughts on this friendship piece. <clears throat> but um, so communication, as you mentioned, is the frequency and the type of communication. Hopefully, will be mutual. <laughs> I want to clarify something about this value thing, uh, the value and the proof of value. I don't think either one of those are um, consciously assessed, and I think that they are they are naturally assessed, and and I. At some point, you do have to offer a conscious assessment. Is this relationship worth carrying on? And then you, then you maybe, maybe you do then go down and enumerate all of the different benefits of having that person in your life. And then you probably compare it against some of the disadvantages, the pros and cons of having that person in your life. But I don't think we, I don't think we consciously say, okay, does this person have value to me? And, and therefore I'm going to let them into my circle. And um, maybe you do do that at first and you just don't consciously think that, Hey, I mean, I I, I'm really assessing your young. value. I don't huh? think you do it when you're young and kids. I do think people do it older. And, and, and I know you're saying, well, to some degree you shouldn't do it on the onset, but I'm also saying, well, if, if you guys are mutually agreeing to communicate on the onset to then later do that assessment, I think it's a little selfish. Or is a little disingenuous. But you do that when you first when you first meet somebody, 
you you find out if you have a connection with this person. If there's some connection to that person, then that connection provides some value to you. Because if somebody comes up to you and they come to you the wrong way, and you're like, this is not somebody who I will interact with, you will look like this person I'm presuming has no value to, will add no value to my life. But to that point, you're doing it at the off, on the onset. That's what I'm saying, especially when you get, when we get older, I think we do it way more on the onset than we do it later. But to me, when you're young, and when I say young, I really mean like in school, like elementary or middle, I just think there's just a natural, you're just talking to the person sitting next to you. And if the talk is it to some degree, a entertaining talk or a talk in which you seem like, okay, I accept you, you accept me. And, and the acceptance is, I based it on your ability to continue to talk to me and my desire to continue to talk to you. I think you make friends a lot easier and there, and it's too late to then do a mid assessment to say, Oh, wait a minute, hold on. The value that I thought was not really the value that I wanted. So I'm not, I'm dismissing you. I think it's, it's, I don't want to say wrong, but it is wrong to dismiss someone when you've already established someone that you are mutually talking to and now you're saying, oh, no, you no longer have value to me. I'm cutting. Why is that wrong? I, I don't think that it's wrong because you can't, you, first of all, you, you sometimes you'll dismiss people in the beginning who, <laughs> and, I and that's fine. Talking. I think that's fine. And, but to your point, you you're might dis, but you, if you dismiss them in the beginning and later find out, wait a minute, this person does bring value to my life. And then, but but I'm glad that I didn't just totally dismiss you because we I've known you for a couple of months or whatever, and then I learned a, something more about you in a different context because our paths kept crossing. Then I found out, oh, we do have this thing uh, and mutually in common, uh, this interest that's mutual in common, and so we can now bond over this thing. Whereas in the beginning, I didn't think that that we would have very much in common. You could have the same thing on the flip side where you meet somebody and say, okay, and I'll even use elementary. So this person is really tall and, you know, you're a really small person. You, you get picked on, you know, it might be good. You may not consciously uh, rationalize the reason why you want to associate with this person, but you're like, hey, I know if I have this person as a friend, they're going to, you know, hopefully ward off some of the bullies from my standpoint. Then you get into a fight. <laughs> Later on, you find out that this person fights worse than you do. And you're like, wait a minute, you're not providing the benefit. And so you dismiss them as a friend? Never mind. I need the quarterback <laughs> of the football team. <laughs> you might dismiss them. You might dismiss them, but hopefully you found some other uh, benefits that they can. And the reason why you say hopefully, because you know that's wrong. You know that it's yes. wrong to dismiss someone just because they don't bring a certain value that you want them to bring at that time. Well, the, 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 who assesses value? Who assesses the value of the relationship? Who assesses the value that who that you bring to my relationship? I'm the one who assessed the value that you bring to my life. But no and one's if, disputing that you do it. The, the question is, when do we make the assessment? And I'm saying you make I it think, at the beginning. I think it's ongoing. Well, to be what, that's not a friend. If, if you can drop me the minute you feel like, oh, I don't like how she handled this. I just think that's a bad friend. That is a selfish friend. That is a friend that is only about their own interest. And again, as we talked about at the beginning, do you need, at least to be my friend, you need to have a level of grace and forgiveness because let me, let me make sure it's clear. I will disappoint you. So if you don't have that level of grace, 
for me, then please do not try to extend a friendship with me. But do you do you realize that sometimes people think that they have that level of grace for you? And then after they were like, no, I thought I had a lot of grace, but Sonya requires a whole different level of grace. <laughs> than, <laughs> I think she only needs Jesus as a friend. <laughs> she only needs <laughs> Jesus is the only one who can who can exhibit that level of grace consistently. I don't know. I think so. There's some people who will say that there are friends there for a season, for a reason, and for a lifetime. And you have to be able to discern which one they are. I don't want to say that I discount you as a friend just because you're not there with me my entire life. I realize that friendship certain times will will come to an end. And that's when they have exhausted uh, all the benefit, the mutual benefit, you know, not just, not, I'm not saying it just from a selfish standpoint, but it means that I'm no longer providing for you the benefit that, that uh, brings the value to your life. That's worthy of the investment. And, and when, when that happens, you say goodbye to me, you dismiss me. I get it. I'm here for a season or for a reason. And uh, the problem a lot of times comes is with, if you're there for a reason, you know, some <laughs> a season and a lifetime are fine, but we don't like it when you, when you're considered your friend for a reason. And that is because uh, we feel like we're being taken advantage of. We feel like that person that I'm not just a friend to that person. I'm an opportunity for them. And um, it, it well, is that's okay. The, that's it. the saying is you're a person is in your life for a reason, season, lifetime because of that, because I don't, I don't know if I would classify someone as a friend if I just see them as in my life for a reason. And particularly if that reason is about my own benefit, I don't know if I would then classify that as a friend. I, I may classify as an associate, as a person I know, but I'm not gonna say, oh, this person is only in my life for this reason and no longer is it important to me. I don't know if I'll put a friend on that label. But that's if you if you consciously, now when you consciously say, okay, I wanna become with this person's friend because I need to get, that's wrong. Uh, but I'm saying when I say for a reason, it's not one that you may not even know what the reason is in the beginning. You may not even understand what the reason why that person was, why God brought that person into your life. But but as you progress on in that relationship, you start finding out this was the reason why we were friends. This is the reason why our paths had to cross. And I've grown so much now as a result of my friendship with this person, but they were still there for a reason. And then, then after that, after you've made that level of growth, is it possible then to outgrow your friend and where you say, okay, well, I no longer really, you know, drive, drive benefit. <laughs> what it's you don't want to say. <laughs> I, I no longer derive benefit from this relationship. And the truth of it's not just one sided. Now I'm going to say friendship should end when, when, when there's a mutual lack of benefit, when there's a mutual lack of value, because some people may still be drawing benefit from you, from your relationship. And, and when that benefit becomes abusive and it becomes one-sided, then I think it becomes a dysfunctional friendship. And eventually it's on its way to, to its demise when that happens anyhow. <laughs> but <laughs> it really is. But I know, I know that some of this conversation seems a little it seems a little harsh, but I'm I'm looking at it from a very practical and or analytical standpoint because what I'm doing is I'm simply verbalizing 
what people actually do. And <laughs> and if you, <laughs> it's true. When, when somebody's no longer deriving the benefit that they feel like they need to get from that relationship, they withdraw from that relationship. And if the other person is still trying, is still deriving benefit, they may still be reaching out and feel neglected and or rejected by the person who's no longer getting benefit from it. And when you start articulating it, when you put those feelings and those actions or behaviors into language, it sounds very rough. But the reality is it happens every day amongst friends. I do think men and women, I don't want to say view, but perhaps walk in friendships differently. And so so when you say, oh, I'm thinking more practical, when, when I hear practical, I'm then hearing you're taking the emotion out of it. And you're trying to be objective. Are you objectively helping me? Am I objectively helping you? Whereas I think sometimes with women, at least, I guess I should probably just speak for myself, but there is a, hey, listen, I know that just by talking to you, just by being a listening ear for you, that that is helpful for you. And oftentimes, um, since we understand that life is tough, um, and, and particularly as Christians, we understand that if we do not have the fellowship among each other, it becomes even harder to walk in this Christian life. I don't think you can just say, oh, well, this person isn't practically benefiting me. And so then I'm just going to excommunicate them. Um, now, I do agree with your, hey, there it should be a mutual, we are mutually deciding. But how often are things mutual <laughs> when it comes to friendships? I think it's one person stops putting in the effort and the other person says, all right, I guess they don't want to be my friend anymore. And then they say, well, they're not providing for me the thing that I want because I want a friend. <laughs> and, so the, and so then they stop calling. Why? Because why do they stop calling? Because they're no longer getting from the other person the thing, the value that they once got and the value that they wanted from that relationship. It's still the same thing. When you stop yeah, receiving from that, it just matter. Like, you know, before then, the other person didn't stop because there was a mutual, oh, we're, we have this mutual stop. It was, Neither one of them for did. whatever reason, that person says, you don't benefit me anymore. So I'm going to stop communicating. With you. They didn't say that. They didn't say <laughs> it. They didn't explicitly say that, but their behavior <laughs> said it. And then when you're still calling that person and that person is not responding back, you're not going to say it yourself. You might say it you're like, they're not, you're not going to articulate it and say, well, they're not providing for me what I need. So I'm going to stop calling them. But you're going to say they're not reciprocating. They're not, I'm calling them. They're not calling me back. So what you were basically saying in that moment is that they're not giving me the thing that I need for this relationship to continue. And as a result, I'm going to stop calling out, stop reaching out, stop trying to uh, continue that relationship as well. That doesn't I have, make what the first person did right, though, because it, doesn't. I, it wasn't a mutual agreement to stop being friends if the other person is still calling. And, you know, oftentimes we in a perfect world, to your point, that second person will just take the hint and move on. But sometimes, you know, you get stalkers, you get, you know, people slashing tires, you get, <laughs> you get a level of hurt because you feel rejected by your and I don't want to say quote unquote friend, but you by someone that you thought was a mutual affection. And right. that that you know that hurts. It does, it does. But it's it's questionable at one point, the only difference between the two of them is who did it first. <laughs> That's the only difference because both but of that you... is an important difference because the other person still considered that person a friend. And so to me, if if 
even if you decide, you know what, I no longer want to continue this communication. If you considered yourself a friend to that person, I still think you should have a conversation. Don't just cut off. <laughs> don't but just I don't think, I don't think, I don't think you that. You should have a conversation if you consider that person a friend. But I don't think that we, I don't think that we rationalize that. We just, we just naturally just fall into that pattern where we start saying, hey, every three times a week, I'm thinking about this person and I'll call that person. But then, you know, a year later, you're like, okay, it's one time a week that I call this person. It's one time every four weeks that I call this person. And the reason why that happens, you don't rationalize it and say, well, this person is losing value to me. Uh, you don't say it that way, but what the reality is, is that the thing that compelled you to call that person and that is fulfilled when you do call that person is no longer there. You no longer have that compulsion or that need or that void that that person is filling. And so therefore that person is not immediately fulfilling that need or providing the value that you need, or you no longer need that as value in your life anymore. And, and so you gradually drift from it. Or if life is just about what you're getting, I will agree it's, with that. But that's that both sides. Person, I'm saying that's that both sides. But if that other person still has a compulsion to call you or still wants to have maintain a friendship and you just stop answering their calls because your assessment says, I don't really want that person in my life anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying you're being a bad friend because it's not just about you. I, I agree. I never, I don't want to, I want to make sure that I'm being clear <laughs> that I'm never saying that it's just about one individual. I'm saying that both parties do the same thing. And the only difference is who does it first. And, and the reality is, is that relationships require a certain type of give and take. And when the when the give, when the take becomes more than the give, then the relationships begins to break down. One of our viewers says, friends are the people uh, that is going to tell you the truth when you don't want to hear the truth. And so I guess one of the, we, we got started talking a whole, about a whole bunch of things. So communication, the type of communication, the frequency of communication. And also uh, we, we talked about value uh, in order for a relationship to continue or to even start for that matter, there has to be at least some perceived value. And then there, in order for it to con uh, continue, there has to be some realized value as well. Uh, so the question is, is what are my obligations then to you as a friend? Am I obligated to, to speak truth to you? Am I obligated to always take your side? How do I, because I get in trouble with this a lot of times I'll because you you're like, hey, you don't speak that truth. And if you're wrong, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be the one to write the doctor's note for you to miss work. <laughs> you know, when, when I haven't seen you, I'm not that kind of guy. You're like, it's just writing prescription. Just write the note saying I was seen. No, I'm not doing that. You're like, and, hey, I'm not telling your girl that you was with me last night. <laughs> uh -uh. <laughs> But, but, and then on top of that, if you start telling me a story, you know, I may need to ask, I've learned to ask the question, do I need to be a toolbox or do I need to be a, a garbage, a garbage can? Because uh, if you're asking me what I think about a situation and I think you're wrong in that situation, then I'm going to tell you, I think you're wrong in that situation. Not everybody want to hear that. They say, you're supposed to have my side. You're supposed to, you're my friend. You're supposed to take my back. You're supposed to have my side. And I'm like, well, that is part of having your side and having your back is telling you when you're wrong. <laughs> 
I definitely do not think you need to lie to to any friend. I definitely like if, if you find yourself lying and and you're doing it under the guise of loyalty, then you're not a friend. I don't think you need to lie. Now, um, obviously, I think people probably define truth because we're different. <laughs> so, because you said it yourself, if I think you're wrong, then that's just your thought. It doesn't make it be truth. It just makes it your opinion that that person is wrong. Um, I, I do think there has to be a level of empathy in that if you know that um, I'm your friend and you know that how I view certain things will be different than how you view certain things, then don't expect me to change my view just to fit your narrative of, of a situation. Um, but also I would hope that you don't put me in that position. So I, I'm back to the, listen, I will admonish you in private because I'd imagine that's when you're going to put me in a position to admonish you when you know kind of where I stand, but then don't make, don't put me in a position to do it in public. And, and quite frankly, I probably won't do it in public. I'll just be like, you know what? I don't want to get involved in this conversation. And then tell you in private, don't do that again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know speak my but truth. It's that but that for a lot of people, that's a betrayal because you're supposed to have their back in that moment, especially when it's in public. And the mere fact that you uh, absconded on that responsibility, they it says that you took the other person. It's interpreted often as if you took the other person's and side and you betrayed our friendship. To your point, then I guess we mutually have decided to end our friendship because if you stop talking to me for that reason. <laughs> It may not be mutual. It may not be mutual. You did this. You started it. You did it first. <laughs> you stopped talking to me for that reason. I'm like, all right, I guess that, you know, we, <laughs> you've decided I'm no longer in your life or no longer benefit to you because I do not carry the level of friendship in the manner that you would like. Should you expect a friend to be there financially for you? I do not think you should expect that. Um, and, um, not even to bind a pinch. If you can't I call on your friends, friend, who can you I call expect on? A friend to help me if I need help. And if that is, um, and if they're in a position to do so, let me put that caveat on there as well. If you're in a position, in a position to help me, whether that is emotional, financial, whatever, I do expect you to help me and vice versa. If I'm in a position to help you, I'd imagine that I'm going to act on that because you're my friend. And again, I consider it an investment or I consider it trying to be out for your best interest. Um, but, um, but I also, again, back to that level of grace and forgiveness, you may think, oh, sorry, you are in a position to help me. How dare you not help me <laughs> and be disappointed by it? Whereas I, because I know my financial situation a little bit more than you do, I may be like, okay, I may have could have helped you here and there and in which I did offer that help but you wanted me to give you 10 20 thousand dollars I just don't know what to tell you <laughs> I'm not in that position <laughs> you know <laughs> I can offer an alternative but I do think as a friend you should help if you are in a position to do so should you your I'll, thoughts look at you keep asking the questions should you help <laughs> well, I'm the interviewer here <laughs> Because every time I say something, you like to twist it around and make well, me seem right. like a villain. <laughs> Typical I say, woman. I am Typical your friend. Woman. I tell you the truth. That's all. <laughs> no, you you tell me what you perceive as the truth. <laughs> but no, I I, I do think um, that 
uh, a friend should be there uh, to provide or at least to help you in what areas that you need to the extent that they're capable of doing and to the extent that that is not abuse and that you don't become codependent. Uh, and that's in every area. So if you're always coming to me asking to borrow money and then I'm basically your line of credit, then then there's a problem with that because I'm not helping you as a friend by lending you this money. If I'm always there to uh, take your back you know, and defend you or to cover for you here or there, then I'm not being your friend in that regard. Or if I'm if I'm enabling what I know is a bad behavior for you, I can't possibly be a friend, even though I like to be there and help in that situation, regardless of what that situation is, not just financial, but finances actually do do, do provide an extra little challenge for relationships, especially when you are one of the high income earners, when you become a, a person of a high income earner or earning bracket, then you start wondering why do these people want to be my friends? <laughs> you know, are they, are they evaluating, Hey, this is somebody who I, you know, if I got in a pinch, then this person is somebody who can actually help me. Or is it acceptable for somebody to want to become your friend because, because they know that you are an accomplished and an achieved person and they want to glean from whatever uh, expertise and or experience um, traits or whatever that you have so that they too can become that. Uh, is that a problem with that? Friendships get too complicated when you get older. Yeah, they, they definitely do. I, um, I was in Cincinnati uh, sometime uh, when I lived in Cincinnati years ago. I had a group of friends who... I wondered, I said, are these people my friends because they know I'm a doctor? And um, and the conclusion to some of that was probably so, partly. And I could either take offense to that or I could um, accept it because I had to look at it from one standpoint to say, are they abusing me because of that? No. It's just another characteristic that I have. Some people want to be your friend because you're funny. Some people want to be your friend because you're you're you're, you're talkative, you're insightful, you're thoughtful, you're compassionate, kind, whatever, whatever trait that is that you have that draws people to you, then that's fine. Now, a lot of times when it comes down to our occupations, we start thinking like, oh, you would just want to be my friend because I make a lot of money. They never asked me for money. They ne for them, maybe it's part of the benefit was to be able to say, hey, I have a friend who's a doctor. And I don't know what that really means for them. But for me, like it's, I tell the story all the time about my, my sister-in-law, when she went through something, when she went through medical school, I was like, I was pleased to know that I knew somebody who accomplished this. And it encouraged me to be able to say, okay, I can do this thing as well. So just having that level of proximity to somebody who is who you perceive to be accomplished sometimes is a benefit. It's a value. You may not articulate it and say, well, this is the reason why I want to be a friend, but that is definitely one of the benefits that you get from or that they got at that moment from being my friend. Other people look at it like, so what? Whatever. <laughs> you know, it's coming down a dozen. It don't matter to them. But, you know, I think we can easily get offended when when people start identifying or if you identify the reason why a person is your friend and 
you know, if it if it still brings some value to their to their life, then I'm okay with that. You just don't exploit any part of my any one of my traits. Just don't exploit that to your own benefit. And if you drive benefit from that trait, then that's okay as long as you don't begin to abuse it. Well, and even in that example, hopefully, because again, back to the definition of mutual affection, you know, if the other person doesn't see, I guess, value in, the, in someone's lesser <laughs> um, occupation, then, you know, as much as you may want to be that person's friend, um, it's, it's not, there's no mutual affection there. I will say, and that's why I say, you know, when you get older, it gets too complicated because I, I do think perhaps when we get older, we tend to say, hey, I don't want any new friends, but I don't mind having any new networks or any new um, associates or, or people that I can call on to either get work or to, or to either help me professionally. And I do think in any relationship, but even in those contexts, it, there should be a level of understanding as to, okay, what, what this friendship is, particularly like a mentor and mentee. Okay, I, I do think there should be an underlying friendship there, but there's a clear, hey, you're my friend because you are seeking wisdom or you're seeking help or mentorship. Um, and, and then the vice versa, hey, I'm your friend because I am trying to gain this level of <laughs> wisdom and whatever. Um, and so, that you know, and then in that context, then there's a clear understanding of what each person's responsibilities are. And back to your earlier point, if one person is no longer acting on their responsibilities, there's then a clear understanding that then the, the friendship or whatever ship it was, it's, it's now over and done. But at least in that context, it was clear, hey, you're supposed to bring this, you're supposed to bring this. Anytime one isn't doing it, then there's a, I hate to use the legal term, but there's a breach and we can both walk away, you know? <laughs> You don't hate to use that legal term. I hate to you use it to. because you, you love know, to use it. <laughs> it makes it, 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 it back to your practical. If you're a guy, it, it then helps be practical. Um, but even um, oftentimes, particularly in my intimate relationships, I do try to have that. Okay, what are your expectations? So that I know what you're expecting from me. And the minute that I no longer decide to live up to those expectations, you can call it a breach, and we can just walk away from the situation. <laughs> Um, but I, I honestly don't think friendship should work that way. Again, I think you need to have a level of grace and forgiveness. And if if you are my friend and you're calling and I'm not answering and vice versa, I'll probably continue to call just until you answer. And I, oh, okay, you're alive. So you were just purposely, intentionally didn't want to talk to me anymore. All right. I do think that friendships, I disagree with you. I think friendship should be as open as that as well to say, hey, you know, I'll ask some of my friends. I said, "What do you? What do? You, well, why? Why do? You, what do you get from being a friend with me? I mean, what's what's the benefit of being a friend? And you know, what are some of the re expectations? What do you expect of me as a friend as well? I do think that if we were to um, articulate those things a little bit more clearly, I think a lot of friendships would either end sooner or be <laughs> a lot more productive." <laughs> you know please do like share as well as comment on this video we would love to hear your definitions of friends as well as what some expectations you have i think it'd be a good back and forth dialogue so that if you do have any friends that are following you on facebook they can know exactly what those expectations are <laughs> and come to the round table and see it <laughs> uh, but nonetheless also please catch us every saturday right here 11 a.m Eastern time 10 a.m central standard time do also continue to follow us on your favorite podcast platform and check us out on star radio until next saturday have a good week
This has been another episode of the Roundtable Consult. Listen to this or other episodes at your convenience on your favorite podcast directory or listening app. Or catch us live every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern at facebook.com forward slash roundtable consult. Tune in live and join the conversation.